It takes more than pressing Control-C repeatedly to kill a fork bomb and then having to power cycle your computer to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 299, and I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about the non-technical stuff that goes into this lovely field that has strange metaphors for names of misbehaving software, like fork bomb. Do you think if you did that in front of someone who wasn't an engineer, they would think more of you or less of you? If I did what? If you if you fork bombed yourself on accident and then had to <laughs> shut your computer off to fix it. <laughs> would they think more or less of me? Yeah, I feel like they would they would imagine some arcane sorcery had happened and you were you were wrestling with it. I'm like know, frantically of- typing yeah, instead of like you typed too many curly braces in your bash <laughs> script or something. <laughs> I think they would think, oh, you turn it off and on again too? <laughs> yeah. Anytime something breaks. A spell so powerful, even <laughs> the wisest of, of magicians use it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a powerful spell. It's amazing how bad we are. <laughs> it's amazing how bad software is at, at accumulating correct state over time, you know? It's so applicable at every level of abstraction, too. You can always mm-hmm. count on good old turn it off and turn it on again. <laughs> In fact, well, I don't want to get too deep down this rat hole, but I've even started, I think there are, what is it, Erlang? It's like the entire programming mm-hmm. language is based on this whole concept of turn it off and back on again. Oh, that's true. You're right. <laughs> yeah, let it crash is really turn yeah. it off and on again. <laughs> and a lot of modern web services are built on this idea of like, we have processes, they handle requests, but they only handle 25 before we turn them off and replace them with new ones. <laughs> it's like the ultimate memory leak fix. Yeah, that was the standard Rails technique like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Longer than that, actually. Still is. A while ago. Yeah, still is, I think. Is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, well, I don't know about Rails, the Rails community as a whole, but yeah, like in Python and Ruby, like all the tools I've seen, they all have like a setting where you can say, kill this process after X number of requests. <laughs> But that's not what this is about. No, no, not at all. This episode is sponsored by Ops Level. Ops Level makes shipping great software easier, and you will hear more about them later. So they, I think what they specialize in is turning it off and on again. <laughs> <laughs> as a service. Yeah. <laughs> turning it off and on again as a service. T-I-O-O-A-A-S. T-U-S. Perfect. It's like SAS. <laughs> okay. Can I uh, thank our wonderful patrons? Please. We have one-time shout-outs for Owen Shardle and Help Me, I'm Stuck in Vim. And weekly shout-outs for Craig Motlin, Rum and Code, I Love Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice jo- Jost, or Jost, sorry, sorry, Alice, Andrew Pollock, The Yeet Your Job Podcast, Ian Walter, Arun Duna, Patron.com.au, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, TestingIsDocumenting.org, Oladapafadiyi, R-M-R-F Prod. <laughs> Ragnar Hardison, Timmy Garabrandt, Nick Hathaway, Travis Anders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Nick Cantor, and Philip John Basile. If you would like to join this list of people and have us say whatever you want us to say within safe for work limits, you can go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. If you give enough to make a material impact into Jameson's yacht payment, we will say your name on the air every week. <laughs> this is my yacht savings account <laughs> you haven't bought it yet not yet I'm still okay. deciding 
I think one of these was trying to check to see if there's a shell injection vulnerability in our podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we promise to copy and paste all of these into our terminal, will you contribute more money? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the unobtainium tier. Yeah. For a million dollars, I'll run whatever command you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's some nefarious actors who would love to talk to you then. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm going to read our first question. Do it. This is from an anonymous listener who says, I'm a new team leader running a new project, and when asked for a delivery date, I gave my best guess. Noob! <laughs> that date is at hand. Our project is not. I gave a new delivery date, and you guessed it. It's later than the date I said way back when. Hmm. I presented this new date to my boss, but he wants us to deploy what we have now. Even though if we deployed what we have now, the business's cash flow would ignite tearing our collective hopes and dreams asunder. <laughs> I've told him this in those words, and he said with a knowing look, ah, you've got to play the game. You have a reputation to protect. Oh, boy. I said, I'd prefer a reputation of honesty, accuracy, and improvement. He said he was talking about his reputation. <laughs> <laughs> his other teams consistently miss delivery dates, so I'd guess he has a reputation of missing delivery dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's my legacy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd love to share my more accurate date but that now feels like going behind his back but if i don't go behind his back i'm going to get stabbed in my front <laughs> for now i've settled on putting my new date in confluence so that i can use it as a shield when the inquisition comes dave jameson what would you do and why <laughs> Oh man, this is one of the better quest better written questions that I've uh, seen in a while. Very well done. It's snappy. Uh-huh. Well, you don't want to go behind his back and you put it in confluence, which feels like the right thing to do because no one will ever see it. Right. You just type it in there, you've hidden it effectively. It's <laughs> uh, a great way to hide information. Good solution. Yeah. But you keep a reference to it so that you can secretly pull it out in the future. Which I think is what the question asker was referring to. It's ready to go when the Inquisition comes. What you really need to do, so you can add a view tracking widget onto Confluence pages, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is an add-on. Either way, you can do that, and then you expand it to see a list of all the people who have viewed the document mm -hmm. and how many times. And then you need to do like a cross-site request forgery attack on your oh, boss gosh. or something <laughs> to get his name to show up in that list. So then you can say, see... You saw this date, you looked at it. And you didn't say anything. You approved it implicitly. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is you, you've got to move to blame deflection mode here, where <laughs> instead of now proactively conveying to the business the things that are coming up, you now need to protect your job and make sure that your boss's job assumes all the risk. You protect your job with your boss's job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of yeah, you've heard of human shields. This is like a yes. a role <laughs> shield, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like this is a giant company. If it's <laughs> yeah. not, then it's a really bad small company. <laughs> it's like like they you have to play the game with like twenty people then then wow. You've achieved something that usually takes thousands of people to achieve. <laughs> yeah. Another option is you could just ship it. I mean, just do what your boss said. You know, document like, okay, my boss decided to ship this in its current state and then watch the business go up in flames. And I guess you'll all be looking for new jobs. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to be really brave here and give the, the meta advice to quit this job. And mm. shocker, maybe you can quit this job and get another job at the same company. Like if it's a big company, work mm. with a different manager. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. This does not seem like a healthy work environment if there is that much political pressure around estimates. Mm -hmm. Also, classic evil mistake of asking for an e estimate and then turning it into a deadline. Mm. Mm -hmm. You were asked for a delivery date. You gave your best guess. Now it's a deadline that you have missed or are at risk of missing. And and you give an estimate when you know the very least you'll ever know about a project. Mm -hmm. I, I would expect someone asking for an estimate to be very explicit about whether they are asking for an estimate or giving a deadline of when this has to be done by or turning your estimate into a deadline. Yeah. Like how if I answer your question, how and when will this information be used against me? Yeah. Yeah. And used against you is the right way to think about it cuz you are in a in a a stabby environment. Yeah, stabbed in the front. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean uh, it, so let, let me put on my uh, another hat here, which is the let's try to salvage the situation hat. I wonder if there's some way you can do something to your code right now that will make it deliver some value and minimal risk and still ship it and let your boss say that your boss hit the deadline. You know, like a, a lot of times, there's only really two levers you can pull when it comes to this. You can either ask for more time, well, three levers, ask for more people or reduce scope. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of other places you can go to change these things. And it's like, in this case, yeah. maybe you can reduce scope and negotiate with your boss and say, okay, I know we offered, you know, I know we promised to deliver four things, but we can deliver these two safely today. Would you rather take these two delivered today or take the four delivered in a month or take yeah. the two today and two more in, two in, in a month? You know, and so I think if you do that, it's a little different than just saying, I guess what I'm saying is there might be a false dichotomy here where on the one hand, your boss thinks we have to ship everything. And on the other hand, you think we have to ship nothing, but maybe there's something in the middle. The operative word I'm seeing is now, uh, which maybe maybe now is not literally today, but it, it could mean the deadstimate is, is fixed and it's <laughs> tomorrow. Did you say deadstimate? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good um, one. That is a good one. I need to go trademark that or copyright it or protect it in some way. Google does not know about this word. Let's see. That word is licensed AGPL. And so if you say it, I own the other words that you say. That's after. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. That is Thank a good you. word. No, literally, Google does not know this word, Jameson. You just oh, did I gotta, great. I got to get that SEO juice going on it. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say because I became so proud of myself for inventing that. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that they're that even taking what you have and getting it into something shippable will extend beyond the dead submit. But maybe that's a better. I mean, that that could still be a better case than than just nothing. Mm -hmm. there, there is a valuable lesson in here as well, which is that uh, the earlier you can call out delays, the better. Because if you had called out this delay or this possibility of delay a month ago, then presumably your boss could have told you a month ago, too bad, it's an it's a deadline now and we need to hit it. So cut scope now so that you can hit this. Uh, avoiding giving notice that a project is late is 
a technique near and dear to my heart that I, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to let go of, but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard. But it might have a, it might have helped avoid stabbing. Yeah, <laughs> it's good stab insurance. Yes. All right. Well, what do you think? Did we answer it? Yeah. I I just will reiterate. It doesn't. There doesn't feel like a productive, healthy relationship here between your boss and you, because even even if you do use them as a as a career shield, you you do kind of have to out them as uh, it's their fault. Like there's there's a lot of blame implicit in the framing of this question. It's yeah. going to be somebody's fault, right? And it's not your fault. It's your boss's fault, and, and and that means someone is looking to assign blame, or that's kind of the culture you have. Yeah, which doesn't feel great. That feels not great. I also like what you said, Jameson, about how at the point in time when developers give estimates, they know the least about the project. And good project managers know that as the project progresses, you should check in to see what was invalid about the assumptions made that led to the initial estimate and find Mm -hmm. out if a revised estimate is in order. And guess what? It is. It always is. (laughs) A a friend of mine, a good coworker of mine calls them guesses. And says, I don't like to emphasize the value of estimation because it's like telling someone that they're really good at guessing. It's like, great job. You guessed really well. (laughs) (laughs) And remember that software engineering, this is not a repetitive craft. It's not like you're a home builder constructing the same house 12 times. And you're like, oh, why did the 12th house take a little longer? You know, it's like, no, this, this is like designing a new house or... It's like it's not like shipping a hundred cars on the assembly line. It's like designing a new assembly line. You know, these are things that are have inherent high degrees of unknown to them, and so estimates have necessarily high uh, low um, accuracy at the beginning. So this might be an opportunity for you and your boss to sit down and say, "I would like to establish some tenets in our working relationship that will guide us," and I think for future projects we need to. We need to do something about our estimation to make sure that as we're planning things, we can do continuous planning and not be beholden to bad information that is old six months from now. I'm going to link you to a contrarian take about this this comparison to other kinds of engineering, which mm-hmm. basically argues that software developers are wrong in their conception of other fields and how certain they are and how repeatable they are. Mm-hmm. It starts with this quote about no one ever had to think about moving a starting or ending point of the bridge midway through construction. And then civil engineer said, I have to move a bridge. Or I had to move a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I've read that article. I think I know what you're talking about. It's excellent. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really good. But your boss doesn't know this because they're probably not in touch with with great software writing. So Yeah, like, like Jameson is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if not the producer of said great writing. No, I am not. <laughs> Hey, Jameson, have you noticed there's a special kind of pain that software teams feel when they get big enough? Pain of open floor plans? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the pain of owning a huge pile of services, but having no clear ownership. This makes so many routine things harder than they need to be, like knowing who's on call, onboarding new hires, finding out who owns what. If you're lucky, you have some spreadsheet or maybe like four spreadsheets that list all the services your teams operate with manager contacts and on-call schedules, but you probably don't even have that. I've definitely felt that pain. Well, this is where Ops Level comes in. Ops Level is a product that replaces that old spreadsheet that no one trusts with an always up-to-date catalog of all your services and teams. And Ops Level takes the friction out of launching new services 
by providing guardrails that let developers focus on writing code instead of chasing down people and getting approvals. When I worked at Amazon, we had tools like this. I can't imagine living without them. But small and medium-sized companies, they can't afford to build them. And this is why you need Ops Level. I've lived without them. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> the Rolodex of people who've worked there a long time is not as scalable as, as <laughs> Ops Level. Go to OpsLevel.com slash SoftSkills to solve this pain and learn how Ops Level makes shipping great software easier. End the suffering. Go to OpsLevel.com slash SoftSkills. Dave, do you want to read our next question? Yes. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, A parallel team has sold our VP on their internal framework and has the VP convinced all other groups in his org should become dependent on it as a multi-app, multi-platform solution. The framework is very buggy, and they are very slow to acknowledge and fix bugs. They claim that due to the overwhelming amount of users and adopters of their framework, they can't look at bugs or that other projects take priority. This blocks our development. No one except them wanted to use their product, and somehow they used forced widespread adoption to avoid responsibility for missing their deadlines. This group has magnificent soft skills that have allowed them to evade being accountable for their issues. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. The, this team is a darling to the VP, so they are immune to accepting our feedback for the points I listed in the above question. Ah, listeners of the show. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. How are we, who are multiple levels removed from this VP, how can we, who are multiple levels removed from this VP, improve our situation? Our group enjoys working together and on our product. So we don't want to leave. We just want to find a way to become more tolerant of this other underperforming team. This is gnarly. Proof that soft skills trump hard skills. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it means that they have magnificent soft skills. I know. Like, I felt like that was kind of a backhanded compliment. Like they're very sly and manipulative. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess are soft skills. Yeah. The dark side of the soft skills. They're very good at mirroring a thing where you, you pose kind of like someone else poses and then supposedly uh -huh. you can subtly influence what they do. Is that one of those decredited psychology things? Oh, probably. <laughs> Got squashed by the replication crisis. Yeah, probably. I choose not to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so shared abstractions are great if they're great. I can see the motivation behind this. Presumably there are some common features or functionality that this provides and it could help people go faster but they always require some amount of kind of squeezing your problem to fit them and it's way harder to build an abstraction than to build a thing that solves the problem without making it generic so this kind of feels like the default outcome to me i, I feel like it's mm -hmm. it seems less likely that an internal framework would be amazing and everyone would love it yeah although actually i worked at a place that had a, a really good it wasn't really an a framework it was a, it was a kind of kubernetes based platform but it was really good the team was amazing mm -hmm. and that was part of it and it sounds like this team is not amazing yeah yeah and boy does it take special skills to create a useful framework i mean it is hard that's next level yeah so i, I assume this is there there's some blame trickling down to the to the team that the question asker is on because they're not moving quickly or, or not getting a project done or something or or maybe they're just frustrated by it what if you just don't <laughs> can, can don't you just what? not just don't use the framework is the vp going to review your code oh right yeah that sounds like something that will eventually get come back to you you know yeah i thought we mandated that all teams must use this framework oh i didn't i didn't see that <laughs> 
I must have been out for that yeah. newsletter. Maybe your communication skills are a little lacking. Yeah. <laughs> Good leaders repeat themselves. Yeah. I didn't hear you repeat that enough. <laughs> I only heard it once, so I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to file that one away. <laughs> <laughs> Good leaders repeat themselves, and you only said it once. Therefore, no yeah. responsibility. This sounds to me like a communication translation problem. That your team is suffering in ways that are not visible to the people making decisions about this framework. At least this maybe this VP, maybe this team's lead. And here's what I know. In business, especially in groups in business, in organizations, corporate organizations, where there's, you know, a good number of people, like 10 plus people, the visible problems get solved. The invisible problems get ignored. And so if I were you, I would try to find ways to make this problem visible. And the first way you can do that is by documenting the problems that your team is having. And the best, the best documentation on this kind of problem has numbers in it. And the best numbers are the ones that turn into dollar signs. So if, <laughs> if you can show how much money this company is wasting or losing because of choices made in this framework and their inattention to your problems you will have a better chance of getting these things the attention that they that you want them to have. There is an alternative outcome where you make the business or someone in the business aware that that's the cost, but the cost is still worth it. You mentioned other projects are taking priority, and maybe those projects really do take priority, but if you can write down somewhere it is causing this much dollar loss in this area, to not focus on this problem, then mm -hmm. hopefully someone can look at those two projects and see is the number bigger on one side or the other and make yeah. sure like, yeah. it seems like we're doing the right thing. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's very possible that this could be good for a really large organization and really bad for some individual teams, which is a thing that can happen at giant orgs. Yes, absolutely. So document this, who, who do you give it to? Do you send an anonymous email to yeah. the VP? <laughs> an open letter to the yeah. CEO. <laughs> I think you got to work your way up the chain here. So now, now you've got kind of a, what I call a socialization problem to, to solve, which is who are the people that need to know and in what order do they need to know it? Who are the people that are likely to be a amplifier for your voice? You know, because you, you kind of, uh, I don't want to use a virus metaphor, <laughs> but I had this idea of a virus spreading. And when it infects the right people, but suddenly- But a good one. Yes, it's a, it's a happy virus that makes everyone's life better. <laughs> <laughs> by infecting you. But yeah, if you get if you get the right people involved, I would start with your boss and then uh, get your boss's take on where this needs to go in the organization to actually affect change. And your boss will also give you a good a good gut check on whether this is even a, an idea that could possibly succeed, you know? Yeah. There is going to be a lot of information squishing or compression in communicating this too. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like the amount of information that travels up a layer is, is going to be like log of the amount of information below the layer or something like yes. that. So if the VP is several layers removed from you, you need to give enough information that by the time the VP hears it, they hear at least a sentence of like, this team is late because of this other thing. So, so don't be surprised if you have to work really hard to get that message communicated all the way up. Uh, yeah, it might be repeating yourself to your boss, nagging them, maybe enlisting other other people without going behind your boss's back, but but just kind of, yeah, like you said, socializing that knowledge more widely. Maybe there's some trusted architect role or something that isn't really in the chain, but is influential. But the more you talk about this, 
better I think it will be with one caveat, which is you seem very frustrated or, or the, the question reads to me as someone pretty frustrated mm-hmm. and making this other team defensive by, by telling them they're bad at their jobs and their framework is terrible feels unlikely to improve things. Mm-hmm. If they're the darling of the VP, you're, you're probably not going to either yeah, way, like, right? Regardless of what kind of, what's the word for this top cover that they have telling them they're bad at their jobs is probably not the way to get what you want. Yeah. So you just got to bury your frustration deep inside and never, <laughs> <laughs> never think about it or express it in any way. No, you, you need to find ways to communicate this to other people. Yeah. With, without saying this other team sucks and that's why we're late. Mm-hmm. Even if that's true. Right. A lot of times things that are true are not things that should be said to get what you want. Yeah. I mean, one other thing you could do is is maybe everyone is in this situation, right? Like maybe this team is literally prioritizing no one's work or or half the company is is suffering because of this. And maybe it's really not globally useful. And, and that would be probably interesting to know. So you might want to delicately feel around for feedback from other teams is is this going well in other places and if so what's what's making that happen or is is everyone just mad at this thing yeah somebody probably got promoted for this though right building this shared internal framework that everyone uses that sounds very high impact it's what we like to see from our high muck level people they can't take away the promotion though right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so what if it turns out to be bad? <laughs> yeah, they already got promoted. <laughs> well, I think I'm out of advice. Yeah, me too. These are always tricky situations. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of perspectives, and interesting organizational hierarchy that makes it challenging. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the beginning and say abstractions are really, really hard. And yes. Even in very well-used public open source frameworks, you still find people just raging against the abstraction. So proprietary, small team, supported ones, doesn't surprise me that it can be rough. So never do it, I guess. Just give up. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I think, yeah, with that, we're done answering questions. Yeah, I think we did it. All right. What can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. Fill out the form there and ask us whatever you like. And thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who does that every week. We really appreciate reading all of your questions. Thank you. Thank you. We will catch you next week.